We're rolling. We're rolling. You know, first of all, hi everyone. Welcome to the uh, the next episode, number seventeen of uh, Father Knows Something. We took off a week because I got a little under the weather and I didn't sound so good. So we're back. And if you notice that uh, I decided to dress for the occasion, and I'll go over that in about one second. But I also want to introduce my my co-host, my daughter, Miss <laughs> Morgan. Hello. And uh, over in the wings, we have a few other uh, gaggle of geese. So anyways, this is the weekend of the uh, the Academy Awards. Mm. So I decided that since uh, I won't be on the red carpet, then I'm going to be next to the saddle. <laughs> and I'm someday. Honor, someday. And I'm going to honor it with by wearing a, a bow tie, a white shirt, and uh, some slacks. Okay. So there you go. Oh, also, wait a minute. And notice my name. Oh, you know, fancy. Yeah, this is really important because I don't know if any of you have had problems with your siblings growing up where they took your clothes. Um, mm. We had that problem in our house. And so we felt that we put uh, names on our shirts that my brother and I wouldn't be uh, losing our shirts. And really, I didn't lose any shirts. I always gained shirts. Oh, so you were the one stealing his? I was the one stealing his shirts. And then, ah. so now what I want to do is, like, I'm going to go into his, now that we're adults, I can go over to his house because I know where he hides the key, take some shirts and just engrave, put, put Jerry a, on put it. A, put a line through Scotty and just put my name next to it. And then just go to this house like this for dinner and, and uh, go over to his house for dinner and uh, just wear my shirt with his name crossed out. Yeah, that'll be good. I think it'd be a fun thing to do. Okay. So uh, let's, let's, Let's get going because we have a big night tonight. We do. I have no idea what our theme is. I don't even know if we have one. Justin was kind enough to pick all the stories he thought would be a good conversation between us. So the theme is uh, it, it's uh, Friday surprise. That's a good one. Okay, let's do it. Okay. I'm all ears. So up first, hi, so I, 19 female, am almost done with my second year of university and I absolutely hate it. I suffer from really bad anxiety and also have ADHD and I procrastinate and have self-control issues. And so it's really hard for me to concentrate and do any homework for my classes. It also is just really horrible on my mental health and I always feel so down. Also, I have never been on campus because of COVID. So it's only ever been online, which is harder for me with so many distractions around. Even when I try really hard to listen in classes, my brain just can't comprehend anything. Another thing is I have no idea what I want to do and none of the classes interest me. So it's very challenging trying to pay attention to something that I have no interest in. I, I feel her. I've had talks with my parents about how I don't want to go next year and how I want to take a year to just think about what I want to do. And maybe go to college and try again in a few years or something. I don't know. But they insist I stay in university because, quote, that's how you succeed. Plus, I just know my aunts and grandparents will judge me just because my family is super judgy and in everyone's business. I've told my parents how bad it is on my mental health and how I cry almost every day 
and have breakdowns a few times per month while I'm in school, but they still say I need to go. How do I do what I want and need to do for myself without seeming like a failure or letting them down, or should I stay in university and try to make it work? If you need any clarifications, feel free to ask. Love the podcast. Thanks, Jerry and Justin slash Morgan. So the the interesting thing here is I feel her. Um, you and I are going to have probably different, might have the same out, outlook at the end of the day, but my personal experience is I was her. And I had a direction when I was, you know, 17, 18, 19, that I, I had a way out of going to college, even though I still had to go. But I was scholastically an unachiever because of my dyslexia. So I felt there was a waste of time and I couldn't focus. And I was finding every excuse not to show up to go do, to do this. Then I grew up. I became, a, should I say, I went on with life and, and, and developed to have all kinds of work experiences and going from working for a company to getting my to starting a company and having my own company and building a business. And, you know, my talent was always talking. Imagine that, just talking, <laughs> which was sales. And so when I end up owning my own company and you have to do management, the most important thing you need to do is be able to, to do basic bookkeeping. Not even that you're going to do it. You have to be able to read a profit and loss statement. You have to do certain basic things. What college does do for you is gives you a background on how to write, how to do certain functions. And yeah, it might help you if you can take classes that you're interested in. And I want I did find out that it is all about finding the right way of getting educated. You might be in the wrong school and finding the right school that has an education uh, model that works for you to learn and to, to get you motivated to find where you're going to go. I mean, sure, you get out of school and you can go work at any, you know, job and eventually, you know, find something that you like or fumble into it and Next thing you know is you're going to find something you like and you can grow that way. But finding the right school to that has the uh, the method of teaching you and you can take other courses and things that you might be interested in might help you facilitate um, a foundation of what you like. And then there might be some courses in just business. So at least for your life and for if you are in business, that you can get an idea of what things... Uh, how they work financially within a company to keep yourself from going doing what I do, making huge financial mistakes. As I as I now 63, 64 years old, I go back and look, that was the mistake that I made. I wish I could have paid more attention. I wish I could have focused more. And it's not that I that I ever say I, I wish I took a chance. I've never had a problem taking chance in businesses and doing things. That's never been my, my you know, my 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 Achilles heel, my Achilles heel is I just couldn't um, find out how to control what I was doing far as on a business side with running other people. So I would recommend stay with it. Uh, find a school that you can go to that's going to work for you in a, in a way of being um, taught that you can actually start uh, seeking the information to grow with that information that you're doing. That's my thought. 
Yeah, I think, you know, she's in a very challenging time to try to go to college. Mm -hmm. She's in her second year and has never stepped in a classroom. Mm -hmm. And as someone that has ADHD and has really struggled in school, like, and that might not be believable for a lot of people because you're like, oh, shut up. You have a doctorate. But I struggled with online classes. I struggled with motivating myself to go to classes. I made it through my undergrad because I wasn't being challenged. Truthfully, I picked classes that well, I knew were easy. I, I, I know your tricks. <laughs> I didn't. I mean, look at me at my high school career. I didn't go to high school because I wasn't being challenged. I didn't have an interest in my classes that I was taking. So I think OT was kind of this first experience where I had to be at school every single day. Mm-hmm. There were no really sick days. You maybe got two mm-hmm. each class, but I was forced to be in person and it was very engaging. So for me, I look at her and I go, I would not go back to school. I would take a gap year. I would discover yourself and what your interests are, what you're passionate mm-hmm. about. Because I also look at my education career and I, I do have a lot of regrets. I love OT, but knowing where I'm at now, I never would have gone to grad school. Mm-hmm. I would not do that. Um, so I think take it the gap year. There's no shame in a gap year. Mm-hmm. There's no shame in finding out what really motivates you, what you love, what you want to do, and then go to a school that, like you said, is going to help you learn. It's going to be in person because ADHD brains, at least from my experience with them, we do not work well with online and not being hands-on and engaged. So I think um, I'd finish out this semester because it's almost over and then take a gap year. It's, you know, the world is kind of opening up a little bit from what it seems. And so get a job, volunteer, travel, find out what's going to make you tick. I did notice one thing about the, in, in your experiences and how you turned out is that you have learned how to suck in information. You drink information. And I don't know where you get it. We, a topic comes up, a conversation comes up and you are you you know about it. You're dialed in on it, and you will blow everyone away because I'm just Snapple facts. Whatever, I know a little about a lot, but whatever it is, you suck in a lot of information. You do retain it, and whatever you did in school, even though you may have not liked it, no, that's because I think I'm autistic and just like on a different level. But you, 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 it it didn't do you any harm at all. Whatever you did, but that's not from school learning. Well, you certainly learned a lot from your OT school going through the-, the But that's, again, a different experience, hands-on, in-person learning. I don't think her learning think experience right. is conducive to success. I, I agree. I think that she has to find a different way. Yes. It's not that she can't go to college or go find, find an education. It's the, it's the facility or the institution that she's going to, and their way of teaching isn't working for her. And I think that that would be great if she can- and I don't know enough about schools. You probably know more. I mean, I'm I'm out of that realm. But there are, I'm sure, schools and colleges that have different ways of teaching that can work with with people that learn differently. Yeah. I mean, we are we are very progressive in our learning experiences Definitely. today than when I went to school back in the 70s. Well, and there's a lot of resources that all of these schools offer. But I think the main problem she's having is she says here, it's very challenging to try to pay attention to something that I have no interest in. Mm-hmm. I have no idea what I want to do. And none of the classes interest me. So why why force it? I, I Go volunteer. Shadow 
be be a medical scribe if you're do, thinking do, about medical. Go 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 do something that you Goal. might find an interest in. Exactly. Just take a gap year. I think everyone should have a gap year. Student debt would go way down. People mm-hmm. wouldn't waste as much time taking classes that aren't going to benefit them. Mm-hmm. And sometimes college isn't even needed. Some of these careers, you really don't need school these days. The, the College the, is kind of a, it's, I feel like I got catfished to well, be honest. Here, here, I feel like a lot of people do. Here's the problem that I, that I noticed that when I was, you know, looking at jobs and things, everywhere that you take an application for any corporation, the one thing they say is, do you have a four-year degree? Because in their brain, in, in their structure of, of searching for somebody, they want someone that knows how to read and write. And they feel me, and- yeah. But in every single job position that I looked at for a corporation, they want you to have a four-year degree. But I also think, I think a lot of the qualifications are unrealistic. That's like, I think from, like, we're obviously coming from different places, and this is mm-hmm. why we have the show. You get both takes, like mm-hmm. an old and a young. Um, but I, I also think it's kind of the unrealistic expectations where you see these job postings that they're like, we want four years of experience, and then it's like, Oh, we're only paying ten dollars an hour. Yeah, it's bullshit. It's bullshit. And the, so, like, I know multiple people right now that don't have four year degrees and have amazing jobs. So, I think find it, what you're passionate about first mm-hmm. and start gaining experiences in that area and mm-hmm. take it from there and see what you really need to make it happen. Obviously, if you want to be an OT, there's certain steps you got to do. But if you want to open up your own business, walking dogs. And a boutique it, dog it, daycare. If you're going to be, if you're going to be self-employed, the rules don't apply. Exactly. So Every, find what you're interested in it, first. It's it's wide open. If you're going to be self, if you're going to be self-employed, it's always good that you have some basic business courses and something that gives you a real-time experience with it. But you are you are. I do agree with you. Explore into things that you may want to do, and you'll find yourself. It could be going to an aquarium and working with fish. Oh my God. (laughs) Have you seen the people that get to dive in the tanks? They're lucky suckers. Yeah. They're lucky people. Who knows? Maybe she'll find that. You know, seal training. I mean, I, I, I tripped up by going to watch it, uh, went to an aquarium where they had sea lions. Oh my God. You were throwing the glasses. And I took my glasses and I was still, I was just throwing them in the air and flipping it back on my face. And the next thing you know, it was a signal to one of the seals. The seal would, every time you see me, see me do it, the seal would do a flip. He was playing with you. He yeah. was playing with me. It was crazy. And I, I said, wow, that. I would have loved to have been a seal trainer. <laughs> you That's just nuts. never know. So things in your life that will trigger something that you like. But the most important thing is whatever you do in your life, make sure you love it because otherwise it is work. And this this is it. You get to go do something to make a living and enjoy when you're doing it every day. And it's not going to work. It's going to do your passion. Be happy. Be happy. Life is too short. And her ideal outcome is, I don't know, just advice to help me not feel like I'm letting everyone down or doing the wrong thing. You know, your family... And I can't speak for them, but I know in my family, I would not be disappointed at all, long as who's ever who's ever uh, the person that it's, a, it's affecting, meaning you, the, the 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 kid, is happy and learning and going forward and being productive. The biggest thing is being productive. Yeah, I think a lot of families, though, and I think this is kind of the common misconception about school and like school and a four year degree has been really like they marketed it so well. It's been pushed jam down everyone's throat to where I think nowadays people associate you have to go to college in order to be successful. It was jammed down my throat. Yeah. So, and so that's and, where and your parents I, and, are and, at. and as your parent, it was jammed down, it programmed us 
And if you didn't do it, you had a problem. I didn't complete it. Yeah. I've had a struggle all my life in certain jobs. Like I, I was unemployable to certain businesses unless I did my own thing. Yeah. And so I think that's where her parents are at. And it's, they're obviously trying to look out for her and, the, you know, trying to make sure she maintains the status quo. But at the end of the day, she needs to be happy, mm-hmm. put herself and her mental health and herself first and take some time and find the passion. Yeah. I mean, break yourself up into, into, you know, quarters one, you know, one quarter of a year. So three months in one kind of an occupational area. Mm-hmm. And even though it doesn't matter about the money, it's part of your, you know, your life goal. If you, whatever you make by doing it, just get, you know, introduce yourself into that arena. That something that you might like, be it be art, be it be design, be it be machine, be it. Yeah photography, whatever it might be, take, take, you know, pick four little, four options, three months a piece, and at least make them totally, you know, 270 degrees of each other. So you keep rolling into the next thing. Yeah. And you're not, you're not in the same arena and you at least get an idea of what arena you like to be in. I know. I think that's the best play. And like, I know with ADHD, it's kind of a running joke. Like, oh, we have ADHD hobbies. Like you fixate on something and then mm-hmm. you give it up. So like, I mean, if it's a month at a time, two months at a time, but like try some stuff and see what really sticks mm-hmm. and like uh, resonates with you. Yeah. But-, but if you take off a year to, to not go to school to do this, make sure you have a plan what you are going to do so you're productive. Exactly. And it's, it's only a year. A year flies by. Mm-hmm. Absolutely flies by. So, So we wish you luck. Yeah, you're gonna I hope you're gonna kill it. Okay. Okay, moving along after I get comfortable here. I know I like I really can't reach my stuff now. I have the Mickey blanket too. You got the Mickey cup mm-hmm. and I got the Mickey blanket. Mickey has always been our hero here. Well, I can't I gotta do stuff. Oh well then I'm gonna put it back. Yeah. See how that worked, guys? All right, we're back on. Okay, ready? Yeah. Hello. Before I start, I just wanna say thank you for any advice you may have for me. My father died early 2020. So it's really nice to hear some fatherly advice at times when I really start to think about him. This podcast and Morgan's has helped me get through some tough times and I'm truly thankful. A little backstory. In high school, I was never really set on one thing I wanted to do. It was hard for me to narrow down what I wanted out of life when I felt like I wasn't really good at anything. So I went straight to work right out of high school. It was fine. I was happy enough, but I realized rather quickly I wanted something more. My boyfriend at the time, now husband, and I knew we wanted kids, but we weren't sure when or anything like that. I got pregnant and ended up having to quit my job because of complications with the pregnancy. I loved being pregnant, and I loved the idea of being a mom. My husband and I decided that I would be a stay-at-home mom, and he would work so our son was with us. When I had my son, I can honestly say that it was one of the most rewarding things that I have ever done. I loved my nurses and realized rather quickly that I wanted to do that. I want to deliver babies and help women deal with a traumatic event and make as many people feel how I felt when I gave birth. Well, I enrolled in online classes and I'm still sticking to it. I love it, but I have a problem. As I do more research into my field, I'm discovering more and more how birth stories can affect so many people negatively. I want to do something about it. I'm thinking about going to medical school, but I just don't know if pros outweigh all of the cons. I will be in a position to do some real good, but I come from a low-income family and I am terrified of debt. 
I grew up moving from place to place because we couldn't afford rent. There were nights that I didn't eat so my little sister could. There were days that I had to wear dirty clothes to school because we couldn't come up with enough quarters for laundry. I think you get the picture. And then there is this time. I'm 26. I will be in medical school for a long time. And then there's residency after that. Also, my son. He is three now. And I worry that if I pursue this, he will suffer because of all the attention my school will require. I know that I'm in a better place now financially, though not great. And I know that I still have a long way to go. And I might find a way to juggle mom life, work, and school life. But what if I don't? I just don't want my family to suffer because of me. Wow. A lot of information. Yeah, I think I have the theme for this episode. <laughs> and I look at the, and I, and I was thinking about how this experience of having the child had changed her life, mm -hmm. where this other woman is looking for something. And that's what it and takes, a experience. And a, and a life experience changed her life mm -hmm. to find it. So I, it, it does come through. And I think maybe that is part of your theme. I, I can't read your mind. My theme is this might be a Morgan hijacked episode because I have a lot to say about this one. <laughs> but I'll let you go first. Um, go ahead first. 100% chase your dreams. If medical school is where you want to be, chase it. But I think you can have the best of both worlds by becoming a nurse practitioner. You're almost... By the sounds of it, you're sticking with nursing school and you go a little further and become a nurse practitioner and you are in the same role as a doctor. Nurse practitioners and physician's assistant, they are changing the name to be physician's associate because it's more respectable, but you are in the same position as a doctor. You have a lot of responsibility and yes, you work under an MD, mm -hmm. but you got just as much skin in the game and just as much power. And if she wants to work in obstetrics, she, she can, can specialize. Build, she can certainly do babies. It's way less school, the, way less money. Obviously, she can't be a surgeon. Best but, of everything. But she can certainly, if, that, if, if she does not want to be a surgeon, she's accomplished that by being the nurse You can definitely be an a OBGYN provider. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I think it's the best of both worlds. I think definitely chase your dreams. I think maternal health and being on this side of things is so important. I myself wanted to be on this side of things with OT. Mm -hmm. I um, I learned that women of color are over 200% more likely to die in childbirth than a white woman. Mm -hmm. And so for me, that was like, I just wanted to get in there and like change that. I wanted to help as much as I can. So I completely rationalized with her having this experience and wanting to like do more, be more involved. So I think if medical school is it for you, obviously you have to chase your dreams. Mm -hmm. But um, you can definitely pursue nurse practitioner, and I believe you could even go to PA school, but NPs make more, and it's the same program, basically. You know, when, when you have someone that gives you great advice, how can, <laughs> how can I argue it? So, just my take. Just my take and, from what and, I learned. And, I, and, I, I was silly for going to OT school. I should have gone to PA school. It's so the same amount of time. So she's right about two things. One, she's hijacked the show. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm trying not to. I'm trying. I held it in so hard. I just couldn't not. But but it but she's right, and she's lived it. She gets it, and it's uh, it. I think it's great sound advice. So I'm not going to sit here just to to give you a devil's advocate because I don't think it's it's needed. It's not needed. I think there's like this is an example though of like life hacks where it's like you can accomplish what you want with less work 
mm-hmm. or less money. I don't know. It's like, this seems like just such a big hack to me or she, like a work smarter, not harder. Well, she, here's what's going to happen. She still, she, she does get experience. She does get paid for being a nurse while she's doing something. Cause I remember that uh, Amy went through some of this too. Yeah. I mean, applying to med school nowadays is, it's so competitive, even applying to PA school and competitive. And at the end of the day, if, after you become a physician assistant and you practice for a couple of years and you decide you want to go to the next level, you know, your, your, your son is in school. Your son is growing a little bit. You, you keep growing. You can always continue that education, uh, in, in, in bits. Should you decide you want to go that direction? You're, you're not forced to go all at one shot. I mean, yeah, things do change. So I would, I, I think that was great sound advice. Get into the groove, Get to where you need to go right now, and if it takes, you know, what's what what's a nurse practitioner four years? No, it's less. It's I believe programs are there's some programs that do it in 27 months, and then some that are almost they're about three years, 36 so, months. But anyways, it's certainly a lot better than thinking about doing a 10 year program or a 12 year 12 year you know 12 year program where you've got to go through residency or internships, specialties. It's a lot. Of, it's a lot. I will tell you one thing too. I worked as a medical scribe in an ER. Mm-hmm. I worked with doctors, nurse practitioners, PAs. They all, every single one of them, had the same responsibility and acted in the same way in that ER. And the amount of times I had a doctor ask me, oh, what do you want to do? And I was like, I don't really know. I'm thinking med school, thinking PA school. I don't really know. And the amount of times multiple doctors said to me, go to PA school. Med school is not worth it. Doctors, people that were already in that position, Mm-hmm. Looked at me and said, "Nope, medicine is changing. Right. Go to PA school. Go to nurse practitioner school." I wasn't a nurse at the time, so that is not an option for me. But PA school was, so that was the advice they gave me, and they they were in it. So if you don't, you know, again, if it's your dream, you got to go for your dream. But talk to people, see where they're at. Talk to nurse practitioners. Talk to doctors. See what they'd recommend. Well, and you, and if you'd go for the the nurse practitioner, you're 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 not shooting yourself in the foot to continue your education later to go all the rest of the way. No, and like it's all great experience. I you know, think it actually will be easier for you after you've had two years of actually practicing because mm-hmm. you know how to implement everything, and and how to apply it. Yeah, you definitely have a leg up on everyone. So, anyway, there you go. I. Like I said, you can't you can't argue with good advice. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, moving along. We're gonna call the show hijacked. I know. I'm sorry. I it's okay. I, medical I, stuff like that. I'm like, I just I have such regrets about my career and what I did mm-hmm. that I'm like, if I can save anyone a dollar, a single dollar. The show's about giving people the best advice. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter who it comes from. I like that. Thank you, producer. I'm okay with it. <laughs> I got the rest easy. I know, but I just like I I really do regret going to OT school. I love it, mm-hmm. but I do regret it immensely. And so I just look at it and it's like med school versus nurse practitioner school. Let's save at least six years of your life and hundreds of thousands of dollars. You know, when I was and young, give you more time with your kiddo. When I was young and, and I was said to go to medical school, you had to be passionate that you really, really wanted to be a doctor. But yeah, I think I've, I think I've, I hate the saying beating it up dead horse, but I think I've said all I need to say. Good. Let's move on. Okay. <laughs> up next. Am I wrong? Yes. Okay. Am I wrong for wanting to rehome my dog? So my partner and I bought a puppy together in June of 2021. 
We went into it with the idea that this would be a couple's project. Growing up, I never had any pets and was hardly ever around dogs. Because of this, I have an irrational fear of larger dogs. My partner knew this and said it would be a learning experience. They knew how to train dogs and they'd teach me all about how to train a dog so I could bond with it and hopefully get over my fear since we were raising him from a puppy. Sounds like a good idea in theory, but also maybe not, considering we got a husky. As someone who is not a dog person, I had no idea how high maintenance the breed is. Around the time we got him, our financial situation started to decline rapidly. My partner was working all the time to try to make ends meet. During this time, I was a homemaker. So I was home alone all the time with the animals. We have two other smaller dogs and two cats. I did the best I could with him and so did my partner when when they weren't at work. But we were both dealing with some severe mental health problems, so we lacked the motivation to work with him as much as he needed it. Which is where we mutually agreed is where we fucked up. Mental health is valid, but we let it consume us. We got the dog partially trained. We were able to kennel train him, teach him a few commands in English and sign language, and partially house train him. But as he started to grow in size, his behavior started to worsen. If you have a husky, then you know the usual behavior. Destroying walls, destroying floors and furniture, going potty inside the house just because. Constant yelling, screaming, and crying. But my breaking point was when he physically started to hurt me, pushing and knocking me down, trying to bite my wrists or thighs when he's mad, the constant pulling of the leash to try to get away from me, resulting in severe shoulder pain, and he's also resulted to pulling so hard to make me lose balance and fall down so he can run away. But he doesn't do any of this behavior around my partner, only me. I've called my partner at work at multiple times, crying about how I was hurt and scared. It felt like my partner was downplaying my feelings. Quote, he's just a puppy. I have severe allergy-induced asthma. It's always been reasonably managed, but around November, it started to decline rapidly. I have constantly been needing my asthma medication. I'm always wheezing and having severe chest pain. My partner is mostly oblivious to how bad it gets unless I'm using my medication in front of him. Even then, it feels like they think the medicine will cure everything. I know the dog's constant shedding isn't helping my health. It doesn't matter how much I clean up after him, and I don't know if my partner realizes this. Our financial situation is still horrible, even now. I landed a part-time job in the fall, but we still don't nearly make enough money to replenish all of the toys the dog goes through. He goes through them so quickly. He's alone a lot of the time, and I realized he's most likely just acting out of boredom. I mentioned the idea of rehoming him to my partner a couple of weeks ago. I laid out all of my points, and he agreed. We even asked their parents what they thought about this as well, and they agreed as well. Agreed that we can try a bigger dog again in the future, when we're both ready and more financially stable. So I've been actively trying to find him a new home. Well, a couple of days ago, my partner brought up wanting to keep him, saying they're going to get their ass into gear and train him. Part of me wants to believe them, but another part of me that fears it's too late. And that's the part that's winning. I've grown to fear the dog, which is what I was afraid of from the beginning. I cringe when he comes near me. My heart races. I don't have a bond or connection with him. I work so well with our other dogs that are smaller. We listen to each other, and they provide me comfort. 
I feel like a good pet parent to them. And then I associate with the other dog and I feel like a failure. I regret getting him. I'm scared of him. I fear how he's going to hurt me next. I can't breathe. And most importantly, we can't afford him. He's the most expensive animal we have to take care of. I just know that he won't be able to live happily and fully thrive with me. My partner is making a choice solely based on their heart rather than rationality. I don't know what to do in this situation. I could really use some outsider's perspective. The the first thing that comes to my mind is that this was a setup for failure because yourself were, was terrified of the dog of, of of what was coming. It is dogs are so keen to know what they're dealing with, mm-hmm. and like a child, they will take advantage wherever they can. And if you don't have the the training, if you're not trained to be able to handle this animal, then this animal does not belong in your presence. That's as simple as this. I don't care about money. I don't care about all the other stuff. To me, you you won, you won what your wishes were, if your wishes were not to have the dog, with the first statement, I am terrified of this dog, because he knows it. And it's, unless you want to have this dog and you are committed to learn how to train. It's not the dog needs to be trained. You need to be trained. It's both. It's probably a little bit of both. Well, it starts with her. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've been down this road. It all starts with the master first, and then it rolls to the, the animal. Not only does partner have to reinforce it, this person has to reinforce it. They both need to reinforce and have the same uh, presence with with the animal. Mm-hmm. So this isn't the case. These aren't the facts. The facts are that partner uh, A or B, whatever way you want to title these partners, is hasn't even even stepped up to the plate from the beginning with training mm-hmm. this this animal. So find it as fast as you can find a home for this animal, so that person could not um, waste another minute. Waste absolutely because the, the faster this dog gets into being trained and 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 worked with, and it's it really is working with them daily. It's forty five minutes a day, minimum concentrated, and sometimes it's twice a day to do it at forty five minutes to get them to respect everything about you, and they're happier and they're more comfortable when you are the leader, and they don't have to be the leader. And that's where you have to get to. And if it's not going to happen with this animal, then this animal's got to go to someone that can absolutely handle it. And there are people that will love this dog. Mm-hmm. Stay, stay on track. Absolutely. So that's my suggestion is don't have to sell me on this one. You sold it two seconds yeah. into the conversation. I completely agree. I think one, um, like you said, the, it doesn't matter if the partner starts stepping up. If this person is scared of the dog, the partner can't be responsible for the dog 100% of the time. Mm-hmm. Obviously, this person is going to have to let the dog out sometimes. This person might have to take the dog for a walk. And it's just not the right dog. Huskies, I know people that have huskies love them, but huskies are a very, very challenging breed. They're very vocal. They're very high energy. And they're one of the breeds that truly does take advantage. And they're pullers. They're, they're sled dogs. They're, they're, yeah, they're, worker, they're working dogs. They're working dogs. They're a working breed. This dog deserves someone who is going to strap it in a harness and go rollerblading or hook him up to a sled 
or go running. Like this is just not the best environment for a dog. And like, I know a lot of people are like, no, don't give up the dog, like work through the problems. But the dog could have an opportunity to be so much happier. Correct. Everyone could be. Correct. Everyone could be. Correct. And if you're going to do a big dog again, don't do a husky. Like, honestly, Great Danes are the best apartment dogs. And I think I do just want to say, like, I know money is a big thing and dogs need, you know, stimulation, Mm -hmm. but you also don't have to keep spending money on toys, especially if your dog is just going to destroy it. Mm -hmm. There's other things you can build or do that are brain um, stimulating that are going to give the dog just as much of a workout that a physical workout Mm -hmm. could do. So there are other options. Well, but I think the bottom line is this is not the best fit. Right. I mean, if it's the dog wants to have entertainment, it doesn't need the toy. It really wants that person to go out and walk them, run with them, pull them, get a wagon. Uh, yeah. I mean, whatever you can do, that dog needs needs work. Yeah. And you're not supplying it, so this dog needs to go find the family that will be able to provide that. Do you think there's something that they could say to their partner? I think, you know... The partner is not being supportive of their needs. At this point, you know, the partner initially agreed, but then is like, no, I'm going to do it. I'm going to, I'm going to buck up. I'm going to do the training. I'm going to do all this, but also not recognizing the fact that this person is genuinely scared of dogs and this dog, especially after getting yanked, the dog yanking them over and bit and bit, bit. Yeah. Biting, biting is just, and I get like, you could hire a trainer, but because of finances, that's not an option. So is there anything you would say to this partner where it's like, I need you to support me or blank? Like, is there anything you would really say in a conversation going forward? Well, it's clear that the person definitely has to talk to the partner and say, this isn't working. And the partner recognizes it's not working because they've already had this conversation that the dog was going to go away. And all of a sudden the, the, the partner says, no, I want to keep the dog. So the reality is either the dog goes or I'm going. I mean, it's... It's, it's kind it, of at that point. It, it really is at that point because it's not going to work for, for, for the homemaker to be home with this animal unless the partner wants to take the dog with them to work and they're going to be 100% on this animal that the, that the homemaker doesn't have to deal with it. Mm-hmm. Because the, the homemaker made it really clear. I am not going to deal with this animal. This doesn't work for the animal. It doesn't work for me. One way or another, it's going to fix itself. I'm not going to be near the animal. Either I'm going to be gone or the animal's going to be gone. Do you think there's a tactic that could be used here to get him on board with rehoming? Is there anything you see like that would help get on board? Well, I think that I think the partner, the, the working partner, has to have to be de- have to be dense enough to recognize what's going on. And I know, but your heartstrings, you pull, you're attached to this dog. They have had it since it was a puppy and we get attached to our animals. Right, but obviously. We, but you know, we also attached. want we also want the best thing for the animal. And if that person's not can't recognize that this is the best thing for the animal, they it's not just about the the immature thing saying, I want it, I I want to keep it. Mm-hmm. It we have to be responsible. The older we get and we have other things that are priority, we have to it's not like there's not a, a lack of animals in this house. I yeah, mean, they have the three animal is, is, is fully loaded. Yeah. And that's a 
that's a, a, a bit right there. I think in my head, I'm just thinking of ideas. And I think keep reaching out, keep posting the dog, keep trying to find him a good home. I think ideally maybe a farm or a sled dog team. But I think like my idea would be find the home, mm -hmm. do an introduction, go see where your dog would then be living. And then maybe he's going to see, okay, this is a better fit. And then the only other thing, I, in. the only other thing I could possibly see is there are, there are shows that on Saturday morning on CBS, there is a show uh, regarding dogs and this couple, they, they go to a pound and they, they, they get dogs that are going to otherwise be to probably just destroyed. They bring the dog home. They train, he has a training facility, trains the dog and he places the dog with a family that, that, that want that animal that can deal with it. Mm -hmm. And it's a beautiful show. It's, it's on CBS Saturday morning. That's one idea. Maybe you can call the, you know, get a hold of the that 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 show and say, "Here's this beautiful animal. Do you want to take it and help us out with it? Maybe they'll take it, train it, and repurpose it back into your home and teach you how to have this dog if it's going to really work." But it that's you guys have to make the commitment on both sides to make this thing work. And if you're if the homemaker is not willing to make the commitment, then it's already a wrap. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is a well. It sounds like they are working again now too. So it's like. It sounds like it may be 50-50, but like, I agree. Like both people need to be on board. That's correct. Otherwise you're setting it up for failure. Right. And you're just prolonging that dog in a home where the dog isn't getting the care he needs mm -hmm. and you guys aren't, you're suffering as well. Like he's young. He's still, you know, by the sounds of it, a year old. So put him in a home where they can really get to work on it because- He's not even a year old. He's under a year. So it's like he's still, he is still He's still young, a puppy and he's, and he's- And he's impressionable so someone else can really- Absolutely. Make it work. I, I, my say, my feeling is if she really, or if the homemaker truly feels that this is not going to be mm -hmm. their cup of tea and they're not in, move now. And, and you have to, for the, for the interest of the animal. Yeah. The sooner the better. You know, so- Good luck to you on this one. And it's a tough one. It's a tough one. Rehoming animals is tough. I think I have a different experience with it because with horses. You, you can't rehome anything. <laughs> you got to keep them. <laughs> no, but I also haven't had an animal like this. Like I, I to be honest, huskies, mm -hmm. I would never, ever, 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 ever get one. Mm -hmm. But um, people love them. They're a very popular breed. But they are not from Oregon. I, I think that every animal has terrorists. They all have souls and we love they're, they're amazing, but and, not for me. And we all love we all love our animals. For me. Keyword for me. I got it. Them describing this yelling, that's my nightmare. I see the videos on TikToks of the husky screamings. I just I I got it. Lauren's behind the camera. You can't see her. Her jaw is dropped. And my friend Jordan just got one. And she she got a lemon of a husky. So I'm like, Jordan, did you write this? Because her dog is, it's bad. She doesn't know what to do with it either. She's kind of at the same point as this person. I, I had, when, when I had the plant, I had some workers that actually had husky teams. We lived in Northern Minnesota and the uh, sled dog racing was big. And 
I certainly went to their their homes where they had you know 25, 20 to twenty five dogs. I remember that. And there was one that just ran in a circle. All that's day. right. And it was just it, it's a it's a different gig. But if you if the two of you are in a hundred percent, this is what you guys want, and you're going to get the training to know how to to work with them. Great. But that's not the case. This is not working. Speaking of sled dogs, maybe they should watch the movie. Balto? Not no. Balto. Oh, you mean the one uh, with Cuba. I, I, Iron Will? Nope. It's the one with Cuba Gooding Jr. And he has that terrorist of a husky and he finally bites him on the ear. ear. Well, that's what I did with Holly. What movie when Holly, is that? When, when Holly bit me, that's what I did to her. Snow dogs? Snow yeah, dogs. We got a peanut gallery over there. Yep. Snow dogs, yeah. I would say uh, you guys need to have some discussions and have it quick and work as a couple make the decision what's best for for your home yeah and for the animal and go forward with it and on that note well said yeah so moving along we got we we got a, a we got a full we got a full got tray a, here yeah, so let's keep big rolling Rolodex. hey dad i love your podcast and the advice you give is so wonderful and i love listening okay so here's some background i 20 female have a complicated relationship with my father and he has some done and he has done some unspeakable things to my mom and siblings both male 23 and 18 physical mental and psychological abuse he's not my biological father and started dating my mom while she was pregnant with me i can say my life wouldn't have been the same without him in it being that all of the trauma i've been through wouldn't have made me as strong as i am today my parents separated in March of 2019. Divorce finalized in January 2020. Thank God. But since it's finalized, we grew apart. I wanted to separate myself from him because I suffer from PTSD, anxiety, and depression. Because of the things he's done. I never got an apology. But I am in therapy working through it. I'm a big therapy plugger like Morgan. Haha. <laughs> My dad is getting married in October to a woman who is about 10 years older than me. And he doesn't focus on relationships with my brother and I, but just them. I talk to him maybe once a month and see him on holidays and family gatherings. My brothers and I got asked to be in his wedding and to give speeches, and we all said yes. I'm regretting my decision where I said yes. He moved on from my mom rather quickly, and I resent him for the things he has done to me. I don't want to be a dick and back out, but part of me is still hurting from the things he's said and done. I plan to go through with the wedding plans and just suffer the consequences after, and then potentially cut him off. I don't want to cause drama with my family, because I am closer with his side of my family than my dad himself. I feel stuck. I think I might have a, a solution for her. Okay. So um, the first thing I'm going to say is that the fact that you're opening up to, to have this discussion and putting all the facts on the table and, cons and considering all these different um dynamics. Um, how difficult would it be to just make a simple toast and move on? Do, do Articulate something that is honest and truthful and wishing them both best wishes. And you know when I always say, articulate clearly. Um, be elegant. This is the time of elegance. And you will by by being something very simple and elegant and do the toast and roll on you've done it and you've pulled it off perfectly you don't have to go you know 
candy coat anything. Oh, you know, he was great. We did the story. We went to Disney. None of that shit. Just keep it. <laughs> just it. Just do the Queen's toast. <laughs> I think yeah, I, I completely agree. I think that's the perfect answer. He's he's got three kids up there too mm-hmm. speaking. So it's like no one wants to fucking sit through a a lecture. Mm-hmm. I thank you so much for whatever you want to say that you feel is true in your heart. Thank you so much for raising me. I wouldn't be the same without you. Cheers to a long marriage. I'm so happy for you both. Yeah, ting, mean, ting, 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 ting. Right. You're Done. actually, you're actually cheering. Telling the truth. You're actually cheering that he's the fuck out of there. <laughs> Good riddance, bitch. <laughs> and he's not going to be abusing your mom anymore. And yeah, and it's tough. I understand this dynamic very well where it's, it's a tough internal battle. So I I think you offered the perfect solution. I mean, I, I, I would imagine that many people in this room, some people in this room might have to have a toast one day like this. And I think that the the to give a simple toast, being elegant and getting the some very basic things out and then cheers and then hand it off to your next brother, your next sibling mm-hmm. and move on. But be really eloquent in how you say the few words you do 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 it do it with grace that's yeah. all i can say do it with pure grace and elegance and that will win everything over and you're done mm-hmm. well and i think too she did say uh i can say my life wouldn't have been the same without him in it being that all of the trauma i've been through wouldn't have made me as strong as i am today and i think her offering to even do this speech toast is the strongest thing I've ever seen because I would have ran. And so I think saying something like, I, I wouldn't be the same without you. I, 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 I cheers. I, like it's, you're telling the truth. I, I wouldn't even have to go that far. I would just, I wouldn't make it at all about me. No, I would make it all about them. Yeah. And, but I mean, toast to our, our very person based where it's like, I grew up with, I grew up with Jerry. We're best pals. And he got me through some tough times. Quick, 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 just quick. Do your, do your words, but do it with grace and elegance and make it quick and fast. Exactly. Look, I'm going to use quick and snappy chicky. <laughs> yeah. Ideal outcome to be happy again and maintain a good relationship with his side of the family. Thank you for taking the time to read this. It means a lot. You got it. Up next. Yes. I am doubting my relationship with my friend. My 27 female best friend and I, also 27 female, are constantly arguing. We've been friends for about three years now. We met at work and have been really close ever since. Our friendship has never been smooth since we have very different opinions in many things. Recently, three months-ish, my friend started dating her coach, 36. He is in a long-time committed relationship with someone else, and they live together. My friend has told me numerous times that she doesn't care how the girlfriend might feel since she's, quote, tired of putting everyone else's feelings above hers. Every time we talk, it's about him and her relationship with him. She says this is not a whim like the other people she has liked before, and he treats her better than anyone ever before, and that he finds his girlfriend boring but it's difficult to let her go since they've built a life together. I could go on and on with the horrible things they've said. I told her I don't want to talk about the subject, but she keeps bringing it up. I feel like the situation has opened my eyes to who she truly is, but I'm not sure if I should end our relationship over something 
That has nothing to do with me. Well, you're right about one thing. It has nothing to do with you. And I got to get comfortable. Her behavior and the feeling that she is so fulfilled by him, we all see that that's a joke because if he was so in love with her and so fulfilled, we wouldn't be having this conversation. He wouldn't have another girlfriend. (laughs) That is correct. It would be over with. It would be done. He would be mature enough to say, I got to let it go. So look, she, she's got her own agenda, what she wants to do. It, you, you just, you're, you're right about one thing. Don't be a part of it. Don't, if she can't have a conversation with you on other things that you guys can be, you know, growing from, then for right now, don't see her. Mm-hmm. You don't have to say, look, I don't want to be your friend, but you can be busy. So, you know, I, I'm not finding growth right now with what you're going through Get through your issue. I just don't want to be a part of it. Nothing against you. I love you, but I just can't deal with this stuff. Yeah. And don't bring that burden into your life and that negativity. No. Into your life where it brings you down. It's you, you got to watch out for your own emotional and mental health. And mental health. So let her do her thing. You're mm-hmm. not going to tell her what to do because she's not going to listen to you anyways. <laughs> and it will just be a fight. So head off the fight. Just say, you know something, I got other things I got to do and I can't deal with this stuff. Yeah. I mean, drawing a clear boundary like that and saying, I mean, it's it's tough because she kind of already did. Like, I don't want to talk about this subject, but yet she keeps bringing it up. So now it's time to enforce the boundary. Mm-hmm. Hey, I don't want to talk about him. I'm happy for you if this is the relationship you want to pursue. Go for it. But I'm not going to talk about him. And if you continue, then I'm going to have to leave or I'm going to distance myself from you. Right. One way, it's one way. Boundary, consequence. She crosses the boundary, enforce it. Right. You, one can't, way, keep, you can't keep letting her do it. One way or another, it, you'll say it's out of my life. Either yeah. you're going to keep it out of my life or I'm going to keep it out of my life, which means I can't see until, until you respect that boundary. Yeah. Totally fair. This is a bad situation. And I think, I think it, does, it does show a lot about character. Mm-hmm. I think it's... It's very telling. Yeah. That was the last one. Okay, so I'm going to get my leg straight, guys. <laughs> Struggling over here. You're going to knock my little wine over. I hope not. I want to thank you for uh, joining us for this uh, 17th episode. It was great. We had some good stuff, and I enjoyed the questions. I hope it helped everybody. And I do look forward to seeing you next week because uh, we do come out every Tuesday morning, Monday night late. We're going to do a Patreon next We are. We're heading to Patreon. So um, if you want to segue over to our Patreon site and watch the next one, we welcome you back. See you later. And don't forget, as I looked at some of our analytics, I see there's a lot of viewers, but we have about 50% of the subscribers to the viewers. So make sure you click and subscribe. 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 Bye. Bye Bye-bye.